Glad to have you today. If you're a guest, we're just certainly honored that you're with us. We're involved in this message series we're calling Believe, and we're coming near the very end of it. And uh, we're in this last section of this series where we're looking at these virtues or these traits or these qualities that ought to be evident in the lives of God's people. And so today we want to talk just for a moment or two about faithfulness. Now in the past, when you thought of the word faithfulness, we defined it kind of narrowly to, um, to attending the requisite number of services. We would say, well, is she faithful? Oh yeah, she's there every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night. Is he faithful? Oh yeah, we see him all the time. Sunday morning and Wednesday evening, they're definitely faithful. That's kind of how we used to define faithfulness. That's why the old joke is only somewhat funny. You know the old joke about how you're in this standing in line waiting for judgment, and uh, you've been there a little while, long line, everybody's stretching up to see Jesus. And finally, there's this applause, and there's this cheering sweeping down through the line, and someone leans over and says, why are they cheering? Why are they so excited? And he leans over and says, haven't you heard? They just found out that Wednesday evenings don't count. Now, that's only slightly funny, and clearly it is slightly funny, if we define faithfulness in a certain way, if we define faithfulness as a number of attendants, that's sometimes how we define the word. At other times when we hear the word faithful or faithfulness, we, def- we define it in terms of a marriage covenant. We say, well, he's been faithful to his wife all those years. Or we say, you know, she's been a, a, a faithful to her husband. Uh, and if we define it that way, then, you know, we, we kind of understand what, what that means. Uh, Robertson McQuilkin uh, embodies the idea of faithfulness in marriage. Years ago, McQuilkin was president of a Columbia Christian college. And um, his wife, Muriel, was diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's disease. And so after uh, her disease progressed, it became apparent to him that he needed to retire early and spend uh, his, give his full-time attention to his wife. So he told the faculty and staff, and after he did that, uh, he sent a letter uh, to his trustees. He sent a letter to um, people who supported the school and knew him. And his letter was really quite touching. Here's what he wrote. He said, recently it became apparent that Muriel is contented most of the time she is with me and almost none of the time I'm away from her. It's not just discontent. She's filled with fear, even terror, that she has lost me and always goes in search of me when I leave home. So it is clear to me that she needs me now full time. The decision was made in a way 42 years ago when I promised to care for Muriel in sickness and in health till death do us part. So as I told the students and faculty, as a man of my word, integrity has something to do with it. But so does fairness. She has cared for me fully and sacrificially all these years. If I cared for her the next 40 years, I would not be out of debt. Duty, however, can be grim and stoic. But there's more. I love Muriel. She is a delight to me her childlike dependence and confidence in me, her warm love, occasional flashes of wit that I used to relish so, her happy spirit and tough resilience, 
in the face of her continual distressing frustration. I don't have to care for her. I get to. It's a high honor to care for so wonderful a person. We read that, and it it touches our heart in a deep place, doesn't it? Because, Because we see someone who's faithful to his wife. We see someone who understands what the marriage covenant really means. And so a lot of times we'll define faithfulness in in terms of church attendance, or maybe we'll define faithfulness in terms of loyalty to a marriage covenant. Others, when they think of faithfulness, they think of moral perfection. Someone who's kind of, you know, just has this perfect spiritual life. Have you noticed, and we've talked about this before, but have you noticed when we come to church on Sunday mornings, we look at one another, and we have this common greeting, we'll say, how are you doing? Now, you know what the proper response is, right? That's not your cue to tell that person how you're really doing. That's not it. When someone looks at you on Sunday morning and sticks out their hand and says, Hi, how are you doing? You say, Fine, how are you doing? Fine, great, everybody's fine. Your life may be falling apart. I mean, you might be crumbling inside. But the response that we want is fine. Someone once described the church as the fellowship of the fine the only problem with that is it it has the tendency to repel those whose lives aren't so so fine i heard someone else say you know the church ought to be described not as the fellowship of the fine but as the fellowship of the flawed because you see there ought to be an honesty with us this ought to be the one place as i like to say church should be the one place because we're family the one place where we can be honest and real with one another and so i would suggest today that faithfulness does not mean perfection so forgive me this morning for being too simplistic but i would say someone who is faithful is simply full of faith so i want to know this morning what does that look like to live a life of faith to be a man or woman who is full of faith show me a picture of that kevin Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, and the first three verses were read to us just a few moments ago by Justin, after the Hebrew preacher, and really that's what the book of Hebrews is. I mean, if you want to find in your Bible the closest thing to a sermon, it's the book of Hebrews. It's not so much a book, it's a sermon. And after the preacher sort of defines for us what faith is, those first three verses, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Like any good preacher, he's going to apply his message. And what he's going to do is he's going to bring out example after example, trot them across the stage to help us see, to visualize what it means to be a person of faith. And so the first person that the Hebrew writer trots across the stage in Hebrews chapter 11 is this person we know as Abraham. His story begins all the way back in Genesis chapter 12 where he receives this call from God. It's really a quite amazing call. We don't know much about Abraham. We're introduced to him in chapter 12. And Abraham is told by God, I want you to leave some things. I want you to leave your country, your family. I want you to go on this journey. And Abraham doesn't even really know where where the journey will lead. And in a way, that's what faith is. It's going on this amazing journey with God. And as we walk with Abraham through life, we see that his journey takes all kinds of twists and turns, much like your journey of faith. And they're told, he and Sarah, they're told they're going to have this baby. But the baby doesn't come quick. 
And they travel along, and they begin this journey, and they wade, and one year turns into five, turns into ten, turns into twenty, turns into thirty. And finally, as they're old, Abraham and Sarah find out they're going to have this baby, and they have little Isaac. Oh, they couldn't be more proud of being parents. They, even in their old age, they, they have Isaac. And so one day, they're pushing Isaac at, at Babies Are Us. And little Isaac is in the, in, the ba- in, the, in the basket, and they're pushing him around, buying all sorts of things. And this, this young couple looks at them and smiles and says, Oh, look, you must be the child's grandparents. They say, no. Great-grandparents? No. He's our son. They couldn't be more excited. But the amazing thing happens with Abraham as Isaac begins to grow and develop. God says to Abraham one day, here's what I want you to do with your child, your son, the son of promise. I want you to take him up on the mountain and I want you to offer him. And so Abraham, by faith, he he does what God asks him to do. He begins this journey. He takes Isaac and he builds the altar. He binds Isaac hand and foot, this child of promise. And he puts him on the altar. He takes out the knife. And he lifts that knife up, and he's about ready to come down with all this weight. He doesn't understand this. And right before he does, God says, stop, stop, Abraham. Now I know. Now I know. What does faith mean? What does faith look like in the life of Abraham? It, it means going on this journey. You're not really sure where we'll end it. it. It means following God along the path of life in all of its twists and turns. It means listening and following and trusting, even when you don't like where it's leading. And so if Abraham is the father of Israel, then, then Sarah is the mother of Israel. What was it like for her? What is faithfulness look like in her life well year after year she's waiting and she's waiting for this child to 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 come and the child doesn't come yet she keeps trusting and the hebrew writer hebrew preacher tells us in hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11 this and by faith even sarah who is past childbearing age was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise faithfulness looks like trusting God and his promises even when you have to wait and even though Abraham and Sarah are fairly well-known biblical characters if you're familiar with your Bible they're referred to both in the Old Testament and the New Testament there are other people mentioned in Hebrews 11 that aren't as well known we don't know that that really much about them one of them is Enoch Enoch's story is found in Genesis chapter 5 and And the scripture says this about Enoch. Enoch walked faithfully with God and then he was no more because God took him away. Sometimes we think faithfulness means doing something bold and big, maybe like Abraham and Sarah. But here's here's Enoch. What did Enoch do? He just trusted God every day. He talked to God every day. He walked with God every day. And it was like this life and the next life was one seamless whole. Then he went to be with God and sometimes that's what faithfulness looks like it's the little things walking and talking with the Lord every day and then there's Noah the preacher brings Noah and he stands Noah in front of us 
His story is found in Genesis chapter 6 through 9. And faithfulness for Noah looks like taking God's word seriously. When God told him about this coming judgment, Noah didn't scoff. No, by faith, he began this mammoth project of building the ark. We look at Noah's life and we learn something about faithfulness in Noah. Noah helps us to see that faith is active and busy. So what does Noah do when he gets this call? He gets to work building this ark. And he cuts the logs and he puts them together and he he does all the hard work of building this incredible ark. He's listening to God and he's taking God's word seriously. The Hebrew writer tells us about Moses. Moses' story is found in the book of Exodus. Moses, at 40 years old, thought he was ready to lead God's people. He's at the prime of his life. Can I get an amen for all the 40-year-olds in this room, right? You're at the prime of your life at, at 40 He's ready to lead. And yet God said, Noah, you're not, or said, said, Moses, you're not ready to lead. And he sends Moses to the desert. He sends him to the wilderness. And for the next 40 years, Moses is on the backside of nowhere until finally, at 80 years old, God says, now you're ready. I'm going to do something powerful with your life now, Moses. And so Moses finds himself standing defiantly in front of Pharaoh saying, let my people go. And here he is leading God's people. He's leading a million plus people out of Egyptian bondage. And these people, they were hard to lead. These people were difficult to lead. What do we learn about faith from from Moses? We learn that Moses persevered. What gave him power to keep going even even when he wanted to stop? Hebrews 11, 27 says he persevered because, notice, I love this line, because he saw him who was invisible. Friends, when, when you see and know the invisible, it's at that moment you can do the impossible. Faithfulness for Moses meant persevering. It meant being open to God doing something new in his life, even when he wasn't young, when he was 80 years old. And I know right now what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, Kevin, that was now, and this is, you know, this, that was then, this is now. Kevin, all the people that you mentioned this morning are so different from us. After all, they're in the Bible. We're much too normal or average or powerless to live extraordinary lives. And if that is our perspective, we're missing the whole point of Hebrews chapter 11. What the preacher is doing in chapter 11, he's he's giving us example after example of average, common, ordinary people just like us. And he's showing us what it means to live faithfully for God. So what what does it look like to live full of faith today? My wife, Jana, is, is engaged in the life of this church in a deep kind of way. A lot of Sunday mornings, she's, she sits right there and she interprets. Uh, often she'll, lead, she'll uh, be a part of the praise team in, in second service. Uh, she and I teach together on occasion. Uh, and, and occasionally she'll get a call from the nursery to ask her to be in the nursery. And she says, I love to get my baby fixed. And she wants to be in the nursery. Um, what you don't know about her, though... Uh, is, is what she does day to day, week to week. So she likes to get up early and, and go to work, beat the traffic. And so a few weeks ago, her, she was up getting ready and the alarm on her phone went off. I said, what's that? She said, that's, 
that alarm says it's time for me to, to pray. I said, really? Pray for who? She said, well, first of all, I pray for you. I said, well, that's great because I, I need all the prayers that, that I can get, and you know that, living with me these, these few, last few years. And she said, and then she said, then she said, it'll go off two, three hours later, and that's my cue to pray for those boys. And then she said, later on, it'll go off, the alarm goes off, and that's my time to pray for my church and for my brothers and sisters, and it'll go off again, and I'll pray for people that I work for. I said, you mean to me, you mean to tell me that all through the day, your, your phone is going off, and when it goes off, that's your cue to pray. She said, that's exactly right. That's what faithfulness looks like in a person. Um, if you drive around town, a lot of you will uh, see one of our members, uh, a wonderful man by the name of Terry Lee. Terry Lee is involved in our VIP ministry. And Terry does all sorts of jobs, all sorts of odd jobs. And the reason he does those jobs, those odd jobs, he wants to collect a certain amount of money, and when he has that money collected, he'll call the church office. And he'll say, I want you to buy a case of Bibles. And if that moment we buy the case of Bibles, he comes by and he gives us the money and we give him the Bibles. What does Terry Lee do with those Bibles? He just walks around, finds people who need a Bible, and he'll hand out those Bibles. Terry Lee has given away hundreds and hundreds of Bibles. See, that's what it, that's what it looks like to be a faithful man of God. Last, last fall, I had the opportunity to be a part of our grief recovery group that met on Wednesday evenings. This ministry is near and dear to my heart for obvious reasons. I believe out of our deepest pain can grow our greatest ministry. And it takes a lot of pain, a lot of, a lot of courage to be in a, an environment like that every week and to, to talk about your struggles and to talk about your loss. And while you never get over it, with the help of God and with the help of God's people, you can get through it. And in that class, there was Diana Boyd, who's very acquainted with loss and grief. And also in that room were, were Troy and Beth Putman, who certainly understand loss. And I looked around every Wednesday night, and I would see Diane, and I would see Troy and Beth. Not, not bitter, but I would see them sharing with others, praying with others, talking about others about, uh, with others about their experience so they can help others move through the painful process of grief and loss. Most every Sunday morning when uh, I get here early, uh, and, and it was the case this Sunday morning, I came into the foyer and, uh, and there was Paul Talley. And Paul was uh, in the back, or in, in, in the front and uh, in his wheelchair handing out um, bulletins and, and smiling and he and I will shake hands and we'll yuck it up. Um, those of you who know Paul, Paul's had a lot of surgeries. I don't know how many surgeries he's had, a bunch, just recently got, got out of um, the hospital just this last week and he's with us today. So great to see you in the back, Paul. When Paul's in the hospital, I was, I'll always go and visit him. And I will uh, read, reach, to, after I've visited a while, I'll reach down, grab his hand, and I will pray for Paul. I'll pray that God will bless him and heal him and be with him. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I will never forget the first time I visited Paul. I'm grasping his hand. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm pulling my hand away, and Paul's not letting go. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, the prayer is over, Paul. What what are you doing? My eyes are open. His eyes are still closed. And Paul starts praying for me. He prays for Jana, and he prays for me, and he prays for the boys. Then when he's done praying, he lets go. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not the one in the hospital. I'm not the one in, in bed. And yet Paul is the one praying and encouraging me. What does faithfulness look like? Oh, it's not perfection. It's not that. Oh, no. Faithfulness looks like someone who encourages others even when they're struggling physically. And I could tell you about others in this room. I could, I could look around. I could tell you about Homer Dudley, who gets real excited about... Uh, about works going on in places like Africa and, uh, and down in Haiti. And I could talk about how, and you know his story, how he's raised money for a tractor and how we, he went down to Africa and brought that tractor down to African Christian College and all oh, they were filled with so much joy. And now he's, now he's working on some, some water wells in Haiti, talking about going down there. What does faithfulness look like? It looks, it looks a lot like that. I could, I could talk this morning about Scott and Emily Walters who felt like God was leading them to adopt a child. But more specifically, that God was calling them to adopt a special needs child. A child with Down syndrome. That's a beautiful picture of faithfulness. A couple listening to the active voice of God and feeling like God's calling us to adopt precious little Downs baby. And I could go on and on with the stories because on every pew there's a story of faithfulness. Not perfection, but faithfulness. This room is filled with with men and women who in their own way are living out their faith. To be faithful is to be so full of faith that you have to express it in tangible and specific ways. What is it that moves a man to do odd jobs to raise money so that he can hand out Bibles? What is it that motivates some people to build wells in Haiti? What is it that will move people to share their story when it's even painful for them to do that in front of a room of struggling people who are struggling with grief? What is it that will so transform someone's life that they'll want to adopt, adopt a little Downs baby? What is it? Perhaps a better question who is it and I'll tell you who it is it's Jesus later on in Hebrews chapter 12 the Hebrew writer will say that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our often weak and imperfect faith Jesus is the one who wrote it Jesus is the pioneer he leads the way he's the author and he is the perfecter of our faith he is the one who makes up the difference in our often weak faith our struggling faith faith but what i know is that when jesus gets a hold of your heart and your life your heart will be so full that you'll have to express it in some specific way and so here's a question that i've been wrestling with this week that i want to end the message on that i want to i want you to think about how can i how can you express your faith this week And so one way we can express our faith is that it could be through a conversation. 
this week God's going to put some people in your life, he already has more than likely, and, and you're going to have a conversation with them, and one of them is going to say something like, like you know, I, I, I just, hey, I just want to tell you, you know, I'm really struggling in my marriage, Could you, I just you know, want to mention that to you. Or, or, or someone might say something like, um, in the course of conversation, uh, man, I, I just don't like my job, I'm just, uh, I, I hate my job. Or somebody might say, um, I'm worried about my son. I, I think he has a developmental delay. And you could at that point say, that's really too bad. Or you could do this. You could express your faith by making this simple ask. Can I pray for you? And I found that most often when you ask that question, people will say, yeah. Can I pray for you? And then you pray for them, and you watch God do what God does best. One of the ways to express our faith this week is through conversation. But I'm going to suggest also one of the ways to express our faith this week is through, through a simple invitation. One of the ways to express our faith is to say, you know, you're working with people and, and, and maybe you know these folks, they don't go to church anywhere, or maybe they do, but maybe they're sort of looking around. You can say to them, you know, hey, I'd love for you to come to my church this, this Sunday. Uh, Ronnie Norman, this, you know, we're having a really good preacher this week. Uh, Ronnie Norman is going gonna, is gonna to be with us and at 9 o'clock. You know, we have this overflow time of fellowship. It's really neat. 10 o'clock service starts. Uh, 11.30, we're having a meal. Love for you to come to the meal and, and it'll be great. Love for you to come and be with us. It might not be this Sunday. Maybe it's the next Sunday, or maybe it's your Wednesday night class, or maybe it's your life group on Sunday nights. You, uh, you have someone in your life, and you can express your faith through a, simple, through a simple invitation. Regardless of what you do, I can promise you this week, God will provide tons of opportunities for you. What is faith? What does it mean to be faithful? It means we're so full of faith. We've got to do something about it. We've got to express that faith in a tangible and specific way. And so you might be sitting there this morning.